Hi everybody, this is Mark Iskowitz from m and I'm joined here by my Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars co-host, Larry Dobrow. Hey, Larry. Stalwart. I'm still very stalwart, I promise you. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. <laughs> I botched that one. Uh, but we're here with our, our, we didn't botch the guest this week, it's our CEO of Cecilia Health, David Weingart. Hey, David. Hi, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. And uh, David and I have known each other for about five years. Uh, David's company, and it's uh, formerly formerly named Fit for D, uh, was the winner of MMM's first um, Shark Tank uh, back in 2015. So that's how we we first got to know each other. And uh, thought it would be great to have him on the podcast today to talk about uh, digital health and, and med tech. Uh, given that we're a week before South by Southwest, so rolling into that. Thought the timing was 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 ripe there, uh, but also uh, diabetes. Uh, there's a lot going on in that uh, therapeutic category, um, and also uh, we'll, we'll finish up talking about MMM's own conference, which is not until May, but we're about two months out. Transforming healthcare and a session that Dave is going to lead there as well. So thanks everybody for joining us. That's what we've got coming up, and uh, let's roll right into it. So David, thanks again for joining us. My pleasure. Um, so, uh, as, as I said, you know, you, you, our, our relationship goes back to about 2015, uh, but you have a very interesting, you know, background, uh, yourself in terms of how you got into the, the digital health space and the diabetes space. Can you, can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. The, the day that, uh, Cecilia Health began as an organization was the day I walked into a doctor's office with no energy, uh, 159 on a good day. I was down to 129 and the doctor told me I had type one diabetes. I have no diabetes in my family. Uh, I've been an athlete my whole life and I was in shock um, and I really needed help. Uh, went to the local hospitals, the next diabetes training classes were months away. And um, there's a lot of stuff on the internet, but it really wasn't personalized to me. And at the time I was one of uh, a few business development execs at Microsoft where we were using technology to realize potential. That was the marketing message back then. And so it just made me realize this great lady, Cecilia, who gave me the personalized education, support, and compassion that I needed. Wow, if we could scale her using technology, we could really create incredible change for the 30 million people in the US with diabetes and the half a billion in the world. So we've been innovating now for 11 years and thankfully have helped hundreds of thousands of people thanks to her inspiration. And Cecilia Health does tech-enabled, scalable, real diabetes care coaching for patients with diabetes. Yes, we engage with patients every day. Our clients include uh, pharmaceutical and device companies who we help solve for initiation, persistency, the brand experience, uh, which result in improved patient health, and also health plans and providers, which are struggling uh, to achieve quality measures and lower cost and they need a scalable way to engage with their patients to improve health and realize those outcomes. Right. So you mentioned, um, you know, in, in that in that response, the receptivity uh, to uh, digital health in, in terms of um, you know the scale, the measures, the objective measures that, that are going to help it gain traction. Uh, I wanted to ask you specifically a little bit along those lines, um, the receptivity in terms of reimbursement for digital health and, and things that, that Cecilia Health does, uh, which is the diabetes coaching, scalable tech-enabled diabetes coaching. Can you give uh, us an idea of how the reimbursement picture for di digital health has, has evolved over time when you first got into it and you were trying to iron out public and, and private payers to where we are now. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen a tremendous acceleration in the market the last four or five years. 
Uh, and I'll comment first on your question around the payer market. We've also seen it on the other side for pharmaceutical companies as well. So with risk being shifted to the health plans and to the providers, they need to solve for outcomes. There's dollars at stake for poor quality measures. You know, if a patient with diabetes is uh, their blood sugar is out of control, it not only costs the health plan and the provider money as far as uh, what comes in and the costs associated with it, but there are there are government measures called STAR and HEDIS, which are bonuses paid on the quality of service and the health of the patients. And so that really created a momentum within the industry for the health plans to look for outcomes. What creative ways can they can they adapt their current system and infrastructure to achieve better outcomes, improve quality, and lower cost? Every health plan that we work with has a rich care management program. They have a disease management program. They don't necessarily have the depth of expertise around diabetes, which requires a lot of personalized intervention. We, diabetes is a job no one wants. Someone gets diagnosed or they get a poor blood sugar reading back from you know, their A1C test, and they may or may not take their medication. 50% of the patients actually drop off their medications in the first six months. They may feel overwhelmed, they may be in denial. That's a lot of overhead for a provider who only has six or eight minutes with a, with a patient. And for the provider to be able to let them know about Cecilia Health and for a health plan to be able to reimburse for that is a win for the whole ecosystem. It's a win for the patient with their health and their sense of empowerment. It's a win for the provider for their quality measures and the bonuses that they receive. It's a win for the health plan for quality measures and for also lowering associated cost. On the other side of the market, the, the um, pharmaceutical companies and device companies have really, when we started working with them, they were basically engaging with patients through websites and maybe some digital tools that were on the website. And they realized that that's great, though it's not enough. There needed to be a personalized human interaction because the people who were proactively coming to those sites and using those tools were the ones who were somewhat engaged. But 90% 90, 90 of the people are not engaged. They're the ones walking out of the doctor's, doctor's office, not understanding what to do with their medication or dropping off. And so we, we add value by proactively reaching out to patients, building trust, educating them in a scalable way, getting them to initiate and persist on the medication. David, you know, you're a decade into doing this. Um, in a very big picture sense, what are some of the lessons that you've learned? I mean, certainly we've seen any number of health startups, both in diabetes and elsewhere during this period, kind of surge for a little while and then poof, disappear. Um, what are some of the most important lessons you've learned and why has Cecilia survived where so many others have kind of petered out? That's a great question. I think, first of all, our mission and purpose. We're, our why is that we're here to improve the people with uh, people's health with diabetes and uh, associated chronic conditions, cardiovascular, obesity. And so we come into work charged up to make a difference in the world. And people come to our company to have an impact uh, and do good and help people every day. So I think having that core purpose has made a huge uh, big deal on our longevity and our growth and our success. The other part is that we have a culture that we've developed 
that's very results-based, that's efficient, compassionate to our patients and to our, our partners, uh, where we go the extra mile for our clients and we work as a team. And that culture we bring alive, it's not just on the wall. We use it to make decisions every day. When people start through the interview process, they start to realize that we're serious about it. And they self-select whether this is something that excites them or something that they are not going to rise up to. And so what results from this is an incredible team that is living a culture that is aligned with a purpose. And that combined with a market trend where diabetes, unfortunately, is becoming, uh, it's already has been a, an epidemic the last few years, but it's just, you know, the predictions are one in three people in the U.S. will have diabetes in the next five years. So those core values that we have as a company, our mission, and then the market, which not for all good reasons is growing, uh, has really contributed to our success. Um, along those lines, building on that last answer, you know, you have a one in three, which is an incredible statistic. Um, how, how do you keep scaling this up? With, I mean, if the numbers are going up, you know, so too is Cecilia, I would imagine. How do, you, how do you keep growing this and how do you grow in a way that makes sense for the company and especially for its patient base? It's a great question. So the core of what we do is bring the power of the human touch to people because we realize that, again, a very few percent of people will proactively use an app or a technology on their own. And the ones that are the 18 percent of the people are costing 40 percent for the health plans. They need that human touch. So we've invested for 11 years in our technology platform, also named Cecilia in, in her memory, where we figured out how to programmatically engage patients who are in denial and do it in a very scalable way and also use the optimal mix of human and digital touch. So there are patients who need a lot of high touch, more telephonic or video, and some that uh, can have an optimal mix of email, text, online support groups in addition to that personal touch. So we figured out the cadence, we figured out the level of intervention of digital versus human we're also applying um, real-time insights, applying machine learning, artificial intelligence to the hundreds of thousands of live recordings that we have of calls so that we continue to optimize the patient engagement. So again, it's the human touch and the power of this clinical expert at the center, though behind the scenes, technology is really driving our efficiencies and our outcomes and our scale. How big is the uh, company now? How many people do you have on the roof? We're closing in on 200 people now uh, across the United States, where we've been live with English language since the beginning. About four years ago, we added Spanish language capability, uh, which means you know, culturally sensitive Spanish language, so that we have more Mexican Spanish in California, more Dominican Spanish here in New York City, Cuban Spanish in South Florida. And this year, we added uh, Chinese and uh, Vietnamese as well. Wow, amazing. And um, you, you mentioned that you work with several pharmaceutical companies and the Cecilia Health Platform is really embedded within a couple of their patient support systems, their portals, right? Right. right. It's incredibly hard to figure out how to bring the human touch in a way that's scalable and the multi-channel aspects of the patient experience. And a lot of the a lot of the pharmaceutical companies are relying on probably what are outdated models today, which are have an agent that's reading a script, answer an inbound call, and that 
patient experience is not what patients today are really expecting into, you know, in 2019. They're expecting somebody to help them at a deeper level, build trust, help them in a journey, and they're looking for guidance and support from the pharmaceutical companies, not only about the drug, but how are they going to have a healthier life. And I could tell you that the companies that we work with, we have incredible patient stories. In fact, you know, some of them are incredible tearjerkers every week that we listen to where people's lives have changed because not only they take the medication, but they were lost. They didn't understand what to do. And just talking to somebody that's a clinical expert, that's not just reading a script, but really delving into what's going on. What are the barriers? What's happening in their world? What are the social determinants of health? That really has made all the difference and created incredible brand loyalty for pharma as well as business results. Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, you mentioned social determinants of health and, you know, pharma patient support portals, um, you know, being having worked on, on the inside, so to speak, now providing patient support, you know, we, we write about that as a magazine a lot in the evolution. What would you say is, is um, you know, missing from a lot of patient support programs and um, how can pharma better address the social determinants of health? Well, it's interesting. So there, there seems to be a range of um, innovation versus risk when you look at different pharma companies. And a lot of the marketing department usually wants to drive more patient interaction and do more innovative things. And then they have to put these concepts through the regulatory process. And different pharma have different rules and regulations about what you can say, what are the guardrails that you so can talk about. And we found that over time, as we build trust with the pharma company, and they see that the number of adverse events and the safety events are all within a tolerable level, that the wider conversation with a patient is of benefit to them. They're not only getting business better business results, but the patients are happier. They're finding the conversation more meaningful rather than, as we just talked about, you know, just getting scripted answers. So I think what we've learned with pharma is let's, let's start working together as a partnership. Let's show the value to the regulatory and compliance teams that the patients really respond positively. And over time, start to widen the, uh, the guardrails of patient engagement to include as much um, patient behavioral health or mental health as they are comfortable with so that they have a rich experience. I think what's also going to drive the acceleration of this is a lot of the risk-based contracts that have been coming out over the last few years where the pharmaceutical companies are on the hook for delivering outcomes uh, for the health plans. And it's very hard to do that in a silo where I'm just looking at getting patients initiated and persist. And at the end of three months, I don't know what happens. So they're really getting more and more accountable for uh, value. And mm -hmm. for that, they're going to need to figure out, and we're helping some of them figure out how we widen those guardrails so that we can have richer conversations with patients. Right. I do recall one company uh, saying that they were going to measure the, the impact on A1C from the patient support program. But now, like you mentioned, with the value-based contracts, they have to do that. And this provides them you know, a ready-made infrastructure, if you will, right. uh, for collecting that, that kind of data, one would think, and partnering with the PBM or the payer or whoever is their, their value partner 
there. And, and those, those agreements were picking up. There was another study I saw today that there has been 100 or so of these value-based contracts um, signed over, over the last couple of years and, and that or a few years. Um, and and we, in our own data, we, we've seen that they're, they're widening in terms of the breadth and depth of therapeutic categories that you're seeing you know, value-based contracting expand to. Um, so, so that that's really interesting. Um, you know, I did want to just kind of touch touch upon other diabetes news. You know, before we get to South by, um, you know, uh, the the big news uh, this week was that Eli, Eli Lilly, uh, one of the biggest diabetes uh, you know product manufacturers, um, released is releasing an authorized generic of of one of their insulins. Um, and um, you know, I just wanted to see if we can get your take on that. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I can only commend the OILA for what they're doing. We have a big challenge in this country. You know, the drugs are expensive, insulins are expensive, and without insulin, people die. It's, it's that simple. Um, so they're taking an innovative step in providing an insulin that will keep people alive. It's a complicated situation for them because they have an insulin portfolio and the other pharmaceutical companies have insulin portfolio and they need to, you know, regain the investment that they made in developing that portfolio. So it will be very interesting to see how the landscape unfolds. In the end, though, you know, I'm a patient with diabetes and I'm applaud any company that's going to go out of their way to look after the patient. Sure. And they're still going to be, you know, obviously selling their, their branded formulation as well, a branded version. Um, you know, as Mark said, um, you know, you were co your company came on the scene when digital health was nowhere near what it is right now. Um, as we head into sort of an unofficial digital health season with our own Transforming Healthcare Conference, um, South by Southwest, any of the digital pharma get-togethers, give, give us sort of your state of the union for digital health right now. It's an incredible time for digital health. Not, not only do we have some of the innovation we were talking about, and the economic drivers across payer and pharma, devices are becoming much more intelligent and connected to the internet. So for example, in diabetes, we've, always, we've had insulin pumps for the last 15 or 20 years. Now the data is being aggregated so that we could do a richer coaching and we could provide real-time insights to the patients and to the, uh, to the care team. The same thing with sensors. Dexcom actually will be a speaker at the MMM conference, and uh, Abbott Freestyle and Medtronic all have sensors that read blood glucose data real time, and that's available to the coaching. And you may see in two or three years, finger sticks start to go away. Right now, I, I went from 4,000 times a year testing my blood sugar to zero. That's a game changer in my life. And Medicaid, Medicare, excuse me, um, just covered reimbursement for CGMs uh, about a year ago. And I think the health plans are just starting to catch up and realize this, this will be a health game changer for their patients. And now they're starting to realize, how do I get these patients initiated and persistent on these devices and understand what the data means so that they'll get healthier? So that's, that's the innovation piece. The other part, as far as the conferences, you know, turn back the clock again, four or five years ago, different pace than we have now of events every week in the digital space. We started off this year as part of Startup Health at the JP Morgan Festival, and there were 3,000 people that came through the building over two days. 
And it was an incredible experience and the thought leadership and the, the transformer and the batteries included, you know, energy that was there for two days was terrific. And you see these events now, whether they're, you know, in big cities like Boston or in Texas or down here in New York City, like the M&M conference, they're happening on a very regular basis. And I think that's only going to accelerate companies and people getting to know each other, figuring out how to work together, how to solve for the patient in an economically viable way. Uh, give us a little bit of a preview of the panel that you're putting together for our own um, MM&M, the Transforming Healthcare Conference. Well, true to the, some of the themes we've been talking about today, um, we're actually going to have uh, Novartis uh, represent Pharma there, uh, talking about the innovation and risk-based agreements that they can talk about publicly um, regarding their Entresto drug. And that's really exciting to have their voice representing Pharma. Uh, we'll have Blue Cross Blue Shield Horizon there as the voice of the payer. And they are very value-based and very, uh, very uh, forward-looking as far as how to manage risk efficiently and provide value to their providers. We'll also have Dexcom, who is a leader in the CGM technology that we mm -hmm. talked about, uh, continuous glucose monitoring and their thought leadership. And then, of course, we'll have the Cecilia Health team where we wrap the service around a lot of these different uh components of the system. So we're really excited. I think it's going to be a great session talking about value-based care and models that work in the real world. Which actually provides a lovely segue into our uh, speed round. Last couple of questions for you here. Um, your health tech slash digital health role model, who is it? Uh, that's a great question. I would, I would say um, the startup health folks right away come Unity to mind. Unity Stokes. Uh, Unity. Um, I think that they really pioneered um, and really thought about how to make health moonshots programmatic and scalable. And they uh, we were just we're just really pleased and honored to be part of their system. They've been great. Um, in your mind, what's kind of the next big thing, not just in diabetes treatment, but in digital health around diabetes treatment? Well, what we're seeing more and more is that diabetes can't be treated in a silo. When I talk to a chief medical officer, they're interested in diabetes and obesity and cardiovascular disease. They're looking for those three, the most costly patient um, to be supported in a very streamlined and efficient way. So although we do those three categories now as part of our basic, what I would call the diabetes umbrella, we're launching cardiovascular and obesity-centric patient engagement uh, programs because the need is so high and it's acute. People, um, the combination and the acceleration of, of people having these three conditions is really, uh, it's become such an important issue for chief medical officers, officers and for providers. Right. Our final uh, speed round question on um, what we usually do is have one of our previous podcast guests, um, in this case, um, Jeff Erb, who is the head of uh, Helix, um, suggest a question for uh, you, and then you'll be uh, asking our next guest one. So uh, what he came up with was, what elements of your personal interests or background outside healthcare helps frame your perspective and approach within your career? Interesting question. So for me, I'm a triathlete. I've been a runner since I was... 17 and I started doing triathlons about 22 years ago. 
And that takes a certain um, tenacity and organizational discipline to swim, bike, and run multiple times a week mm -hmm. and pull off these races. Um, I liken starting uh, Cecilia Health to the beginning of a triathlon where you just kind of jump off a boat and into the water. Uh, you just have to take the step and do it. So um, I would say that that part of my life has really inspired me um, and interesting my background in technology really helped realize what's possible when you add the human touch um, through technology. To, uh, to extend the metaphor that you just suggested, um, if starting Cecilia Health was the start of a triathlon, where are you now? Are you, uh, are you running? Are you biking? Are you still swimming? Uh, where are you in the uh, mix? There's half a billion people in the world that need our help. So we are just at the beginning of the journey. I mean, hundreds of thousands, but we have to get to millions and millions. And our dream is that everyone in the world will have a piece of you know, coaching in some form that's meaningful to them, whether it's a human or an electronic touch that inspires them and empowers them in their day because it's tough. It's 24 by 7 disease. People need that support. They need that empowerment. It's a very noble ambition, and, and the patients are lucky to have you leading this, this uh, you know, uh, life-altering company. Uh, that, that has their backs. Um, so Thank absolutely, Thank and you. you know, it's we've we've come to know each other, you know, professionally over the last few years, and I'm proud to, to call you a friend as well. So, um, you know, thank you, Mark. Yep, yeah, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Uh, you can listen to the podcast um, on our website, MMM Online, uh, where you'll also be able to see dispatches next week from our Larry Dobrow, who will be on the ground at South by Southwest covering their MedTech and Health Track, which I believe begins this weekend, right, Larry? It does. Um, I believe I'll also be covering the uh, barbecued meat track. It's a <laughs> small, isolated piece of the conference, but yes, on yes. top of that. Yeah. Right. So that goes without saying, being in, in Austin, that barbecue will be high on the agenda. Uh, and I was, you know, glancing at the South by agenda and, and I saw a lot of, you know, obviously it's very tech heavy with AI, uh, genomics, big data, blockchain, CRISPR, uh, bioethics, uh, and that was just at breakfasts. Uh, so, you know, there'll, there'll be a lot of, uh, a lot, a lot more of that. Um, and, and, uh, and again, check back our, to our website for updates on that over the weekend and early next week. And, um, you know, uh, David mentioned uh, the session he's going to be leading at uh, Transforming Healthcare. That's coming up May 8th in New York City. So you'll be hearing more about that in coming weeks. And it's very fitting uh, that David is leading that uh, session on reimbursement uh, and the future of reimbursement because, um, you know, value-based reimbursement um, is no longer a binary phenomenon between one pharma company and one payer. We're seeing a whole ecosystem now of pharma, device company, multiple payers, and, and with digital health at the center, which I think is a real novel idea have digital health kind of pull it all together uh, so that that's coming up May 8th you'll hear more about that um, and um, that's about it for us uh, we want to thank again our guest David for joining us today thank you David thank you to my stalwart co-host Larry Dobrow <laughs> thank you Mark you got it and uh, thanks everybody for, for uh, joining us today we'll see you next time